This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to Family Feud, part of the Paris Style Podcast family. They might not be brother and sister, but they sure do fight like they are. Here's your hosts, Keely Yor and Shotgun Spratling. Welcome to another episode of the Family Feud Podcast. I'm your host, Keely Orr, joined by Shotgun Spratling and cousin of the pod, Chris Trevino. We have a good show for you guys today. We're going to talk about USC's 2021 schedule that came out on Tuesday this week. We're going to break down game by game our way too early predictions. How is this one going to go? I believe it's going to get a little feisty. I can already, I can promise you that. I think it will be. So that will be fun. And then, of course, we're going to have Chris's trademark segment, Take It or Leave It. As a reminder... You can follow us on wherever you get your podcasts. You can also send us questions or submissions to the show at familyfeudpod at gmail.com. You can also look out on Thursdays usually. That's when Shotgun will put out a tweet for last minute questions. So you can also tweet at us there. I'm excited, guys, because we get to look forward to the 2021 season. The Pac-12 released the schedules on Tuesday. I discussed it with Ryan, but I'm curious about your thoughts. Chris... We had a little text conversation, and I said, you know what? We should save this for the pod. This is some, some pod content, because you and I don't agree on some things. I believe you're referring to my game predictions that I that I did earlier in this week. Way too early predictions, which, first off, kudos to you, because I feel like it's so hard to do way too early predictions, because you just don't know. So, But that's the beauty of it. I can just say they were way too early. They're just first <laughs> gut reactions. It's you, in the title. Keely. You have a built-in excuse? I have a built-in excuse. Okay. It's just gut reactions, looking at it based on what we know right now, before spring, before anything happens. That's what I was just going off like. Boom, looking at it. Boom, win. No, loss, win, loss. I don't know. So I'm sure we're going to get into those in detail. You sure. guys are going to have fun ripping me apart here. We always do. Welcome to the Family Feud Podcast. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Shotgun, your thoughts when you saw the schedule. USC has a great opportunity once again. You know, 2020 played out pretty well for them as far as the schedule goes. 2021, you know, th- they've got a great opportunity to to roll through that schedule if they play like they're capable up to their potential. I, I think that they it's a, a very winnable schedule. You know, you have a bye before the Notre Dame game, and the biggest thing to me is just that there's no Friday games. You know, no off day games at all. You, you know, I, I put a a heart eye emoji. Um, you know, when the schedule came out just to see that it's Saturday, 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 just the routine. But for us not having the short weeks is also very helpful after, you know, at the end of the 2020 season, having back-to-back short weeks was, uh, was a grind for us. So, and I'm sure for the players and coaches as well, I'm sure for them, but for us, it was, it was, uh, yeah. I care more about myself than anything else. Don't, mm. We all know that, right? We know, we know. <laughs> you're saying you're not going to miss short weeks. No, I don't know. You're leaving short weeks. I'm leaving those by take taking a full a schedule where you have a you know set routine. You can get into that. You don't have to worry about switching things up. You don't have to worry about you know practicing on Sundays to try to get in uh, to start your week early. And you know the bodies can rest and have that 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 regular routine going through the season. 
and their bye week is right in the middle of the season for them. So right before Notre Dame, it's before Notre Dame, but also it just breaks up the schedule well for them. So you're not having 12 games in a row and then having a bye week. There's no just, um, there's no anomalies to the schedule. There's always been something kind of funky. Exactly, and that's Pac-12. And now I don't know how much credit you should give to USC and you know the administration for pushing against some of the bad things in the schedule in the past. If they did have have a um, have a big part in this, then they deserve a lot of credit because there's always been bad things in the schedule, and it's not just USC. There's been bad things in the schedule from the Pac-12 for several of the top tier programs. You need to cater to your top tier teams. If you know you're going to have top preseason top 25 teams, you got to cater to them a little bit to help them get into the playoff with the way the Pac-12, in particular, the way they've struggled the last few years, not getting a team into the college football playoff. But that's what's hurt the Pac-12 in the past is having your best programs, your top 25 programs, suddenly have to do the two, you know, the back-to-back play on a road game and then travel on a Friday. They finally realize, hey, that's not a good idea. Everyone seems to be losing here. We're losing our best teams for the college football playoff. And what's happened to just the, you know, the eye test, the uh, national perception of the Pac-12 has continued to decline. So USC, you know, they have a great opportunity with this schedule to make some noise next year. This isn't as poignant as anything Shotgun just said, but as the person who wrote out the release, not the release, but our story on the schedule, yes, I was looking at all the games and I'm like, wow, that's a lot of games. <laughs> just having it. gone from the six game schedule, it's like, wow, there's a lot of games. It does seem I don't a know little, if anyone else had that little heftier for sure. Also, I don't think I've ever seen you use that many emojis in however long I've known you. That was a lot of emojis. <laughs> I was every. It's only three, I think. Heart eyes. I was like, a lot for you. You know, I, I I woke up and I saw the schedule and I was like, oh my goodness, it's so crisp, it's so clean. You know, there's not there's extra. You know, we look down the column on the dates or whatever. You don't have a in parentheses Friday beside it or, yeah. or anything like that. First it's just time crisp and clean. Yeah, first time since 2009 that USC is not playing on a weekday. So look at that. I don't know if this is a hot take, but when I saw it. I was like, this is a college football playoff schedule. This is what you can do. I'm not, okay, ooh, the eyebrows are raised over here. But I'm not saying that, like, oh, the the strength of schedule is impressive, thus you will be, like, grandfathered in. I'm saying it's a very manageable schedule for USC. Thus, you can easily get to the Pac-12 championship. If you're a UC fan, hope they get they win that championship. And then if you're a conference leader, you automatically are in that conversation, especially with the brand that USC has. They're going to be in the CFP conversation. So to me, it's like you have a third-year quarterback. You know what you're doing at this point. Hopefully you're not having any COVID issues. Um, and it's kind of the, hey, the this very slow Notre Dame rebuild is now in place. Do or die. You know, it, I think it's very favorable. So my hot take is that this is a CFP schedule. I mean, I agree with it. I don't know, Chris. Well. I, I agree. It's a very CFP-friendly schedule. You have a chance for some nice little wins on the road at Notre Dame, you know, handling Utah at home. Obviously not like national-level games like in Alabama on the schedule. But while it is a CFP schedule, I do not think there will be CFP results as my predictions went. Well, here's the thing, and I think we all know this. There's what USC should do and what USC ends up doing. And I picked what USC ends up doing to a T with my predictions. I think it was to just a T, I think wow. it was Chef Kiss 
what USC will do. Hyping this up. Well, you've hyped it up so much. Let's just jump into it. And then Shotgun, you and I can add our little comments okay. to his predictions. So first off, uh, San Jose State. Coming off a really good season, obviously, and they, they kept their head coach. That was a big question, you know, coming into the offseason. Will, you know, will he jump up to another level? Um, but, you know, San Jose State coming off the best season in their program history. Kind of fell flat in that bowl game, but still, True. great season. They got their star quarterback back. They got some key guys back. I, I think this is I'm, – I'm not saying USC is going to lose this game, but I'm saying this is a sneaky good team that can mm-hmm. give them some trouble in week one. But I still picked USC to come out. But this is a tough opener. This is a good. This is a good Mountain West team. This is like the Western Michigan game, uh, yeah. except they're returning their stars and they're returning their coach. Whereas Western Michigan was coming off a great season the year before, but they lost Corey Davis. They lost PJ Fleck. You know, they, they were a much different team when they came to the Coliseum, and they still gave USC a lot of trouble in that game until yeah. the fourth quarter. USC kind of separated then, but that's what's can be scary about the San Jose team if you're looking at it is that you bring back the quarterback that's a big one but you bring back the coach and now they've got a whole offseason after that loss they can use that loss and say you think you're going to go up to you're going to go down to USC and, and play against them and, and you know be able to, to show anything after the way you guys looked in the, in the bowl game you know I, I think that's a great motivation opportunity for them there so it's this could be a really scary game for USC and they should be really selling this to the players, like if you don't come out ready, you're going to get beat, and you're going to be the laughing stock of the country. Even though San Jose State is, you know, producing is becoming a very quality program, you know, on the national stage, it's going to look like what USC lost to San Jose State. No one, no one in the southeast is going to be like San Jose State. Like, where in California is that even at? I'm bad at geography, so do you not know where it is? Yeah, it's 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 in California. <laughs> All I'm saying is I would not be in the least bit shocked if there was like this upset in week one, but I still think USC's talent wins out in the end of this one. I think they're going to get them a little bit of trouble, and then USC will take over. I mean, that's a classic game one for USC, classic. really. But friendly reminder, this was supposed to be the UC Davis game. Mm-hmm. This is the game that the administration came in and tried to get an easy win by rescheduling that to keep the FBS streak alive. So, Chris, you had this as a win, Chate. I had it as a dub. That, that's a W as well. But it's interesting because when you bring San Jose State on the schedule, you're like, oh, we're, we're going to switch out this FCS game. San Jose State is very close to FCS level when you're making that schedule. And then they turned the program around the last year and a half. Um, yeah. So I, I think that that has become a scary game when it should have been. You, know, you felt like you could do what you did to them last time, which was, what, 56-3, I think it was, in, in 2009. So uh, I think that you know they've turned it around. And that could potentially actually help USC later in the year because they could you know they have a shot to win that Mountain West as well. Yeah, I was going to say that has a potential to be a very – stock rising mm-hmm. win for them if they go and run through the mountain west again yep you've been using stock up and stock rising a lot lately i feel like we deserve some royalties for that yeah when i become a member you'll get your royalties <laughs> or maybe he's just been on the game stock train you oh. know you investing to the moon <laughs> to the moon boys and girls week two stanford yeah i also had this as a dub i think Stanford had an interesting season, a rough start, but they ended on a high note with that four-game winning streak. They do have to replace a good amount of talent. Davis Mills, their quarterback, they lo- they lose, obviously uh, considered maybe the best offensive lineman in the Pac-12 if you're going by the PFF grade. They also lost Foster Sorrell. 
Um, but if you look down the roster, there is so much talent on this team. There's just so many well-stocked, like former fo- high-profile recruits. Um, I think this game will be a lot closer than it was two years ago when Keaton had his nice little first start, heck of a performance, and they kind of blew him out. Um, but again, I'm picking USC at home here. I'm curious to see if Stanford tries to play man coverage once again. Um, you know, it's become very evident that if you play man against USC against Graham Harrell's offense, you're going to lose. You know, they're going to put up a bunch of points against you. They're going to be able to pick that apart. Now we'll see where Keaton Slovis's development is and the offense's development is how they, you know, teams that play more zone coverage, more drop coverage, how they can pick that apart. And, you know, if the offense takes off to where we thought it would this year, if it takes that next step, then I think they'll pick apart those offenses as well. So it's going to be about mixing up, you know, really having a unique game plan versus just we can just drop into coverage, drop eight guys, and they're not going to be able to, you know, find the holes correctly. But you definitely can't play man. That's what Stanford did last time. And, hey, that's a good idea when you're going up against a freshman quarterback making his uh, first start. But they torched him in that. So I'm curious to see how they kind of – uh, change that up you know didn't get to see USC play them last year so we'll be interested to see what Stanford does differently this time around and you don't even have Paulson Adiva this time so yeah so that was a guy that USC was actually attacking in that game and he's a very good corner um, so we'll see you know like like Chris said that they've got some talented guys on that roster but they don't have a lot of production coming back so I don't see USC losing them but it's always a weird game it's early in the season it's yeah. always the false barometer yes Copyright Keeley. Uh, <laughs> September 18th, week three at Washington State. I'm going to be real. I almost picked this as a loss. Huh. I almost, I, I went back and forth on this one just because it is in Pullman. It's hard yep. to get to. Mm-hmm. I've never been there, but, I, but I've heard the struggles of, of getting to Pullman. This is going to be year two for Nick Rolovich and his team, a full offseason to get things going. They got a talented QB coming back particularly Max Borgie is coming back. He's a dangerous, dangerous weapon, probably going to be a day two NFL draft pick. They got their big left tackle coming back. There's some talent on this team. I don't think they're ready to maybe compete for like a North division, but who knows? Um, but I think this is a, a dangerous game and I think there it's going to be a little bit of a problem. I think they're going to give them some problems. I think this is a sneaky team for next season, but in the end I picked USC they should win this game. They should win this game. But I'm not I'm not all in on it being a win. You put should in all caps in your article too. You hedged a lot. But I picked it. I didn't tee it. I picked it. Oh, I picked okay. the win. Congrats. Let, that, to let you. that be the record. Sure. If this game was on Friday, this is a game you'd say USC might lose this or yeah. probably will lose this. Yeah. Um, and this would probably be the type of game that the Pac-12 would normally put on a Friday. Mm-hmm. And you'd be like, USC just played Stanford, a very physical team. Now you go to a completely different style of offense, and you have to go on the road, go to Pullman, short week, very dangerous. I think that the fact that USC is going to play them early in the season is actually beneficial because I think that offense will continue to get better as Jaden Delora gets more and more reps in the offense. You know, he looked really bad against USC. USC was able to confuse him, was able to, you know, attack him. They had a couple interceptions off of him. So I think that, you know, him earlier in the season is better than facing him later in the season because I think he is a talented guy and I think he's going to continue to get better as his his career progresses. And USC, I don't think they'll face him the last two years of his career depending on how the schedule 
you know, with the COVID, everything's a little bit off, but if the schedule works out that way. So I, I think it's good for USC to face them early, and I think they should be able to win this. But Borgie is a guy that scares you a lot as a de- defensive coach. Uh, you you got to put extra attention to him just because he is a unique player like Christian McCaffrey was, catch the ball in the backfield, make some guys miss in open spaces. You're going to have to really, you know, get on him with multiple guys. And he wasn't available in 2020. Yep. So – it's not like you have some tape on him. And hey, they were off to a good start, um, you, you know, in 2020. Obviously, COVID threw some stuff against them and made things tough for them. And then USC kind of, you know, was able to take care of business against them. But going into that game, we we're like, yeah, this could be a team that could surprise USC. USC took care of business last year. I think they'll do it again. Week four, September 25th, Oregon State at home. I like what. Oregon State head coach Jonathan Smith has been doing with that program. It seems like he's they're going in the right direction slowly, but I just don't think they're ready to, you know, pull an upset in the Coliseum. I mean, it could happen, but I think this is a a comfortable victory for USC on the schedule. They are losing a lot of talent, including all Pac twelve running back Jamar Jefferson, their big their big star from last season. So I just I just don't think they have the the horses to get the to get that, that game. And Hamilcar coming off the edge as yep. a pass rusher, you know they don't have him back. So I think that they're a team. This is this is. It just feels like everything on the schedule uh, we'll continue to see is like if this was here or if this was different, then this could be a dangerous game. If this was in Corvallis, dangerous game. If that Washington State game is on Friday, dangerous game. But I think USC takes care of business at home. Week five, October second at Colorado. Same thing here. Dangerous game if this is later in the season, but yep. early October that you're not you're potentially not dealing with the cold weather as much mm-hmm. makes it a more palatable game for USC. I had the Trojans moving to 15 and 0 all time against uh, Colorado, taking this one. Um, obviously, they did not get to play last season due yeah. to COVID, which would have been a very interesting game considering how the Buffs were a surprise team in the South and competing for that that division title that never got to happen. And they got a little shafted there at the end because they didn't really, you know, get to get to play anywhere. <laughs> kind of feel, I made True. myself sad. Did you hear that? You hear the, the octave drop. Yeah. Um, I do think this one could be a little dicey, but still, still picking the Trojans. If Darrell gets them, if it shows that 2020 wasn't like a fluke and this is like, yeah, I'm curious to see where, how they start the season. Um, and, the one thing that could cause them USC issues is if Nate Landman can make some big plays. You know, he's going to have 15 tackles in the game, but does he cause a fumble? Does he have an interception as well? You know, they're going to need some turnovers from a guy like that. You need your star players to make big time plays in big time games. Um, you know, I don't, Sam Norrier. He's okay and not special there. The running backs, I think, are really good for Colorado. So can USC stop the running attack? That'll be the big question on the defense side. Week 6, October 9th, Utah at home. And I think this is what sparked our debate, this, Chris. This sparked the debate because I'm putting it down as a loss. Give me the loss to the Utes at home on October 9th. Give me the loss. I just... But why? Yeah. Okay, I know, you know, taking out the fluky season, as Keely pointed out, the formula is... You lose in Salt Lake City, and then you pull out wins in the Coliseum with with these two teams. But you know, I, I, I'm 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 shaking it up a little bit. I'm I'm flipping it. USC flipped the script last year in 2020 with that dominating win, and I'm flipping it back 
where Utah's coming coming for vengeance in 2021, and they're gonna they're gonna get this upset on the road. That team was very young last last year. They went last season. They went through a lot of adversity. They're experienced now. They have a ton of talent coming back and into the program with kind of the transfers they picked up. Still need to find a QB, but I seems think seems important. Seems a little bit important. They got like 19 choices though, because yes. it seems like the, every transfer early in the cycle was like QB is transferring to Utah. I don't even know who those people are, so I might have to look at that. <laughs> Only one I know is Charlie Brewer, the former Baylor quarterback, who I liked at Baylor. Um, so getting those guys in line, and obviously they're going to be coming off a bye week, so they have a lot of time to prep for the Trojans in this road game. So give me the Utes. Give me the loot. Give me the Ute. <laughs> give me the loot. Give me the loot. This will be a very interesting one. And this is one that I don't know the outcome of until I see them in the early season because they have done so well with building a program and building a culture there that is all about development of players, not bringing in guys from outside. And you saw they brought in quarterbacks last year. What happened? You know, they, they had back and forth. They switched the quarterback a couple times. Now there was an injury early in the season that infected it. Uh, a little bit, but you know they ended up switching Jake Bentley a couple times in and out of, of the lineup. So I'm curious to see how their culture is is changed or how it is strengthened by the transfers. If the transfers, if the, if they don't have everybody on the same page, it can be an issue because that's what they've done so well. They brought in young guys. Hey, you're going to sit for a couple years, and then you're going to be a big part of this program. There haven't been a ton of guys that come in and play immediately there. That's just not the type of recruits they brought in. Now they're doing a much better job of that. Guys like Clark Phillips from La Habra, you know, he came in and was an immediate starter for him at the DB position, but that was after losing almost the entire defense. So I'm curious to see how they will play this next year in the first couple weeks to tell me where that team is at culture-wise and if that – if those transfers come in, there's extra talent there. They've done a really good job of bringing in talented transfers in this class. And if they fit in well, they could be a really dangerous team in the Pac-12. Sounds like you're teething it. Ooh. I'm just not making a determination. Sounds like you'd be really bad at making way too early game-by-game predictions. That's Teeth. why I don't do it. Teeth that ish. But you don't have a problem with my pick. I don't have a problem with it. I could see where you're co- coming from. It, it makes sense. And I think this is where the way too early plays in. I don't think you can fully know. And because it's way too early. Yes, Keely. I know it's way too early. I'm just saying, <laughs> because it's way too early, you have to trust the process. You have to trust the formula. Don't do not do the trust the process. Home team wins. Don't do it. Away team loses. Yeah. I mean, USC is, is you know not dominated, but they have won against Utah at home consistently. So... It makes it that much more difficult for Utah. And again, that comes back to if this is in Salt Lake City, you go, very dangerous game. But not, now you just, I'm wondering more about Utah than I am USC in this game. October 16th, week seven, smack dab in the middle is a bye week for USC, which is good because on October 23rd, they'll travel to South Bend and take on Notre Dame. When I was starting to do these game by game predictions, I automatically knew I was putting this game down October 23rd. At Notre Dame as a loss. This team is obviously not going to be as good as it was in 2020 when it was coming off that controversial college football playoff appearance. They're losing a lot of guys, including their quarterback who's been there for like 19 years, Ian Book. (laughs) (laughs) 
The offensive line needs to be rebuilt. Defense has some big holes, but they still have talent across the board. And I just don't like these Clay Helton teams in big games on the road. He's 1-5 against Notre Dame. Has never won in South Bend. Put me down for the L. I know they made it interesting last time, but still, put me down for the L. I think there's a less talented Notre Dame team. I just said that. I think... I think Clay Helton has won a couple of big row games at Washington, if you remember that year. Sam Darnold won a big row game. Hey, and guess what? They have a third-year quarterback this time, which was going to be my next point. If you let me get to it, Chris, this is why you don't have full member status. So yes, you can USC. cut me off, but I can't cut you off? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, welcome to my life. <laughs> So USC is going to have the experienced quarterback in here. And the fact that Notre Dame, you know, they're, they're losing a lot of talent, but they're also losing the quarterback position. I think that's really big for them. Now, they're going to be built on the run game. Now, what can you do at the quarterback position to elevate and take that team to the next level? That's a big question. And I think because USC has the veteran um, quarterback with Keaton Slovis, the fact that they played much better in Notre Dame uh, the last last time, last two times, I believe. So I, I think that they're they're a team that can go into Notre Dame and win. It, it, it's not the same as going to Texas to play Alabama. Uh, I think that it's a it's a winnable game for USC. So I think that they will actually go to Notre Dame and win, especially with the bye week before. And if they actually take advantage of the bye week, that'd be great. You know, actually have some hard practices, not just oh, we got to rest up our bodies. You know, use that and improve the team rather than just trying to rest to get back to where you were, if that makes sense. Clip that. Clip that. Which part? Him picking SC to win at Notre Dame. This man won't won't give me a take on Utah at home, but is willing to go out on the limb for a win at Notre Dame. I feel like I know more about the the Notre Dame team than I know about the Utah team. Well, we've been we we know plenty about the USC team. And the fact that they can win on the road. But I feel like this is this is Days of Thunder. You can pass on the outside. It will hold. I think they can win on the road. It will hold. It's not like the, it's impossible for them to, to go on the road and win a big game. I didn't say it wasn't impossible. I even noted in my write-up, you know, this, this offense with Keaton Slovis could pull this one out. But if they don't protect him, blah. I mean, that's the big question for the entire season. Sure. As it's been for... Three years now? Moving on to week nine, October 30th, taking on Arizona at home. This is where you snap the two-game losing streak by my predictions. You know, Arizona, complete rebuild. I believe they have like a 12-game losing streak coming into this this season. Uh, Jed Fish, new head coach, new program, putting in all this new stuff. It is later in the season, so they might have their stuff put together a little bit better, but I'm still picking uh, USC to take care of business at home and uh, snap a losing streak. Like what Arizona is doing this offseason. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Curious to see how quickly they come along. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's Colorado. I don't think it's Washington State where they're a legit threat like they were those two teams were this year in a first-year head coach because there's just not talent. There's not enough talent on the Arizona roster right now. Uh, and they're doing a good job of bringing in some transfers and stuff to try to shore that up as quickly as they can. But I just don't think there's enough talent for for Arizona to be competing with USC. And if they are, that's a that's a big um, 
that's a big red flag for the Trojans if if you know Arizona's competing with them, which they shouldn't have been competing with them last year. Yeah, like the red flag of last year yeah. in Tucson. Yep. That was in Tucson, though, so we'll give a little tiny bit of, of credit to Arizona there uh, to make it a little bit less. I'm bringing the flag down a little bit, you know, not not at full mass. Half mass? Not a half mass. It was still a red flag. But I'm not warning everyone around at full mast. My instant analysis debut. Oh, right. The thing is, is like... Thanks for that contribution. <laughs> Get her. I Get her. hate you. It's not even that funny. Oh, yeah, it is. No, what I was going to say before you said that was that that was the second game of the season, right? So, I mean, I don't think you can excuse the offensive performance at that point, but I think you can excuse the defensive performance against Arizona. It seemed like the turning point for the defense. They definitely played much better after that. Week 10, November 6th at Arizona State. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, 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 dun. Newsflash, I had this one as a loss. The Twitter beef will finally meet up. The Twitter beef. You know, if it wasn't for this miraculous series of plays that went in USC's favor, they're taking that L hard in the Coliseum in 2020. But once again, you could argue what I just argued for Arizona. It was the first game of a COVID season. It was yeah. a defense that wasn't fully like installed at that point. That's That's very true. But I think the Sun Devils... Sun Devils, the Sun Devils have Sun Devils, y'all. The Sun Devils have payback on their mind. They're talented enough to compete for the South in 2021. They also have a third-year QB back. They have a lot of talent that they've been mining in the West Coast and over the country as well. And I think this is a going to be a tough one on the road. And I'm taking the uh, the home team. All feasible. But for whatever reason, I just think USC will be in. Okay. I got no real good reason on this one. I needed my, my 20 hours of research. But um, I think that they'll just they'll go into Arizona State and they'll be able to, to win that game, especially with the Twitter beef going back and forth and the former coaches and you know, for the, the relationships that are there. USC, I think, is going to be hyped up for this game. And I think that's a that's a big deal in this game for them. If they come out flat, then that's when Arizona State is a much more dangerous team. But if you remember a couple of years ago when they went to Arizona State, uh, or actually four years ago when they went to Arizona State, you know, they were coming off I think they were coming off a loss and there was question marks like how would they come out and they just dominated the first half. Yeah. I think that's a big thing that this group can do again this year. I think that they'll be motivated for this game and I think they'll come out and, and they'll be able to win the game. For some reason I feel like USC at ASU is like never an issue. They just kind of figure it out at some point. Like it's not like a Utah thing in my mind, you know. It hasn't really been recently. Yeah. Though there was uh, the Lane Kiffin firing game. You know, you give up sixty something points. True. That is the tarmac. Yes. <laughs> um. Okay. Fair. In the Clay Helton era, how about that? Yeah. In recent years, they've they've done pretty well on Tippy. So just update six and three for me. We're at six and three. Unofficially, shotgun. You are eight zero oh, and one. How he's not being roasted to death for that is just beyond me, but it's fine. I I, I know I was I, not asked to make two early predictions. <laughs> I am lending my services here. I didn't write this article. Okay. You're about we, to say you were about to say this garbage. <laughs> I heard it. He was like, I didn't write this the G, article. The G was coming out. <laughs> I didn't write this trash. This is great stuff here. 
No, you asked us to comment on his sure. predictions. You sure. didn't say, hey, you need to make your own predictions too. What, where did that come in? No one put this on my docket today. If so, I would have had uh, a full dossier written out on each team. You, <laughs> you know. have a monologue, just an hour of you. It would, have, it would have taken me 20 hours of research to, to come up with my full predictions, yeah. just for no good reason. Moving on to week 11, November 13th at Cal. This one is really intriguing to me. Huh. It was also intriguing for me when I was looking at it and doing some of the research. But in the end, I still am picking the Trojans to come out with this one. You know, when you're talking about a Justin Wilcox Cal team, defense, it's going to be good. They're going to be solid. But again, the offense is going to be a huge question mark. They do have uh, their star QB, Chase Garber's back. But they didn't put up a lot of points. Doesn't seem like they have a lot of weapons to help them out. So... I think if USC just gets rolling on offense like they did in 2019, I think this one's going to be a quick one. Um, so give me the Trojans to move to 7-3. and three. Yeah, the, the interesting part about Cal is can their offense score? You, you talked about it. They got Chase Garbers back, and you know Ryan's really big on him. He's boy. I know, and uh, you know, he was great in the recruiting process, talking with him. USC was recruiting him at one point. But didn't put, put up any points. They struggled. Now – it was a really weird year. They were barely able to practice at all, you know, before the season coming in. So I think that played into it. So I think they'll be better on that side. I don't know that they have, just like you talked about. I don't know that they have the weapons now. If they can run the ball, that'll be a big deal for them. Um, they've got some husky running backs, and husky baby. Not to be confused with UW. Yeah, not huskies running backs. They haven't got any transfers there. You're talking about big boned, big boy. <laughs> Big boy. <laughs> and to be confused, you're not saying short and stocky or... No, not short and stocky, gang. We're, we're not, not talking, talking about safeties. About, yeah, we're not talking about safeties. Running backs. They have some you know, thicker guys that are going to carry the ball for them, and that can be an issue for USC. has been an, an issue at times in the past. So, you know, that could give them trouble, but I, I feel like this is the game where everything's going well for USC, and then they just slip up. That's what you know we've seen in the past. And things can be going well, and then you're just like inexplicably like, why did you lose at BYU? Like, why did you lose? BYU was different though. Why? Keaton's first road game as a true freshman. So he was he was magnificent in his first start. Yeah, when they played man coverage. Yeah, I understand why it happened after the fact, but going into the game, you go, yeah, USC should be able to take care of BYU. What I'm saying is, I don't think your example, of what will happen at Cal, is comparable to BYU. It's a game where you don't expect them to go in like they should take care of business here. And then they go in and you're just like, how did they lose it? And everyone freaks out about it, rightfully so in some regards. And, you know, it, it has the potential to throw their whole season into a loop, um, you know, because they don't play well and then something happens and it doesn't go their way. I could see that happening at Cal. I just can't see it at Cal. I'm with Keeley. I, I don't see it happening just because I don't think they have the, the horses to keep up on offense with them. Defensively, I think it could, they can make things interesting. Shotgun, are you putting down your first loss for USC? I think this is a game that could be very troublesome for He's them. You're teething it. I'm not teething it. Teaming it. This, this I'm just not making a prediction. So annoyed with me. I understand now. I apologize. How the turntables. I said I wasn't, you know, set up to make predictions for the entire season. Sure, I'm just sure, telling sure. you which games could be very troublesome. Unofficially, you're eight one and one. Unofficially, 
I think unofficially is eight, oh, and two. Somewhere in there. Okay, but he pretty it much said it was a loss a and doesn't want to fully commit. Week 12, UCLA at home, November 20th. Ooh, this one feels like a, or when I was making this, this felt like a blip of the coin for me. But in the end, it landed on the USC side, so I went with USC. Bruins are going to be an interesting team in 2021. They can put up points. They also have their QB coming back. They're losing a dynamic piece in Dimitri Felton. But I still think they're going to give USC... I think it's just it's a rivalry game, so I think it's going to be a little bit back and forth. This one could be another shootout. Um, but in the end, I'm going with USC to put them at 8-3. and three. Yeah, I think this will be a very close game again. Um, like you said, it's kind of coin flippish. And USC's won the last two of those with UCLA. Um, I'm going to count two years ago just because the way UCLA was putting up points. It didn't feel like USC was getting a ton of stops. They got the one at the end and they needed to. So, you know, I, I think that coin toss games are never what you want at, at the end of the season. Uh, you don't want those when you're expected to be the favorite and you're playing at home and you're the team that should be taking care of the Pac-12 South. So a coin toss game can, can be really scary, and especially for USC fans that would have to live with uh, the Bruins, you know, being able to be prideful for another year uh, versus USC being able to say, oh, that's three in a row for us. I feel like when it comes to close games, coin flip games, home matters. And I, I just don't see U- UCLA beating USC in the Coliseum. Home matters when there's fans, so we'll see. Because that that's the whole thing. That's why Vegas usually gives three points to the home team. Sure. So if there are fans, does it matter? Or if there aren't fans, does it matter? It's just more like a vibe that I'm feeling. That's the vibe. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. That, that, that one's a one that I'm... These late season games get tougher and tougher to predict because you don't know who's going to be injured. You don't yeah. know who's, uh, how teams are going to be playing. Coward's way. <laughs> I'm not making any of the predictions here. That's your job. I don't do crystal balls. I don't do too, way too earlies. Give me the week of, and I'll still struggle to make my prediction then, but I'll have a much better idea because I'll watch some tape. I will know what teams are doing. He's not a hypotheticals guy. He yeah. really isn't. And the final week, week 13, November 27th, speaking of BYU, BYU at home, a weird thing on the schedule. If you look at it, it just looks odd seeing BYU as the last regular season game, but we did know that was going to happen. I know a lot of people in my mentions were a little freaked out by that, but we knew that was happening. Chrissy T, what was your take? Uh, Following the theme of my predictions, USC will be closing out the season on a three-game winning streak. So that means I have them beating the Cougars. Zach Wilson is gone. Probably going to be a top-five pick, maybe. An Atlanta Falcon? Maybe. Maybe for Shaka? No? Doesn't like it? No, okay. I, I want the Falcons to take Penny Sewell. That dude's a 17-year vet. Okay. Fair enough. Um, but he's gone. They have some new starters to break in. Um, but it'll be the end of the season, obviously, so I think they'll be a little bit more cohesive and their new guys will have, you know, gained a lot of experience throughout the season. Um, even if, you know, maybe they don't live up to the expe- expectations they had in 2020, now that Wilson's gone, maybe it, it turns into like a rebuild year. I don't know. But I still expect them to play hard and tough like they did uh, two years ago um, when they were in uh, Utah. But again, USC. Give me the dub 
Keaton Slovis gets some redemption. Kalani Sataki was really on the hot seat prior to basically that USC win. That's when things started turning around for them a little bit. And a big part of it is Zach Wilson. When you have a really good quarterback, it changes so much for you, especially at a level like that. It changes so much as far as you know what the, the rest of the confidence around the team can do. Now, I think the team, the BYU, will be coming in with some confidence into this USC game because the three weeks before that is Idaho State, a bye week, and Georgia Southern. So I think that they're going to be able to put up some points against those teams. The offense that they have, even with a, a new quarterback, now Wilson made some special throws for them, but they were able to get some wide-open receivers at times. So I think that especially against those two teams, they should be able to put up a bunch of points and have some confidence. Now they've got a pretty tough schedule. They're playing several you know, Pac-12 teams. They're going to Baylor. They're playing Virginia. So the, it'll be a unique schedule there. They're playing Boise State at home. Um, so I, I think that they're going to struggle – you know, without Zach Wilson and replacing the, the QB position early in the season. And then they'll have a little bit of confidence coming into USC. But I think just the fact that you're going to be breaking in a new quarterback, I think the USC should be able to win that one uh, pretty handily, actually, at the end of the season. Now, if, if BYU gets off to a great start, that could be even better for USC, you know, because then that's the end of the season non-conference game that could really boost their, their potential if BYU plays really well throughout the season like they did this season. But I just don't think it's going to happen without Zach Wilson. You know, anytime you replace the, the QB position, I'm always a little fretful in college, um, and especially when you replace a guy that you really relied on so heavily like BYU did. I can see this swinging both ways. On one hand, I think it's beneficial for USC to face BYU at the end of the season when they're already in a role. I feel like that's better for USC than like what we saw in 2019 where it's, they're still kind of working out the kinks of things. But then I can also see it where, you know, you finish conference play, you know what you're going to do. It's a random game at the end of the season. You're tired, banged up, and maybe the mental effort's not there. But, I mean, it depends on which USC we see this season, you know? I'm really curious, and I think this could be a really interesting bookend Keaton Slovis um, will be eligible for the NFL draft after the season. You can see his first road start, him really, really struggling against you know this drop coverage. I think BYU will definitely show a lot of that against them again. They'll probably think, hey, we can do the same things. And if he just torches that coverage, we'll show the growth of a guy like Keaton Slovis. And, hey, if he's playing well all season, that could be a great game. And, you know, we'll eventually we'll be writing about it and talking about that you know, that bookend and how much he's grown since that game um, in, in 2019 as a potential Heisman candidate type of, of push, you know, at the end of the season, you know, but he's got to play well the rest of the season, obviously. But I think that that's something that could be interesting just to watch and see, you know, where he's grown from that first game on the road. And for those keeping track, that's a nine and three season out of your boy with these predictions, which if it's not like the quintessential Clay Helton season, I don't know what is. Nine and three, right there. So, I think nine and three would be a disappointment. Nine and three would be a continuation of what we've just seen, what a Clay Helton team can do. And I feel like if you need to take the next step, you need to at least get 10 wins. A USC nine and three is always a disappointment. Sure. The only time nine and three feels okay to USC fans is if you're coming off that five and seven season. You're like, okay, we're showing growth, and next season we're going to be you know, that top team, then, then maybe, and that's not even a guarantee there. Yeah. Um, but it's, you know, say you, you had a new coach after a five and uh, after a losing season, a five and seven season, and you go nine and three, you go, okay, we've got things moving in the right direction. 
That's the only time. Otherwise, if you go nine and three, it's like, eh, even if that's what you kind of expected, it's still disappointing because you're expecting to compete for a college football playoff. You're expecting to compete for that Pac-12 championship every single year. You're expecting to be in the mix for the college football playoff at least. USC hasn't been in the mix for it. Yep. There was a little tiny glimmer at the end of this 2020 season just with the conversation about, hey, they're undefeated if they can win their conference as an undefeated um, power conference team. No one's ever been left out of the college football playoff. But they were so far down the rankings, there was never really a, you know, a serious conversation. It was, hey, if this happens, this happens, this happens, maybe. Yeah. USC should be in that conversation. Now, if they're ranked 5 to 10 – that's still in the conversation. That's something that hasn't happened for them. So, it, and at nine and three, you're not going to be at that spot. So, I, I think for USC fans who expect greatness out of this football program, nine and three is always going to be a disappointment. I feel like the ultimate purgatory season for USC fans would be like a nine and three season. You still go to the Pac-12 championship, you win unimpressively, <laughs> and then you skip the CFP. Because so it's like so, then you go ten and three overall. You go to a bowl game. Maybe you lose in the bowl game. You're ten and four. Yeah, is what you're saying? yeah. That would be the ultimate purgatory. Because then you could see the like, well, he did go to the Pac-12 championship game. He did win it, <laughs> you know. But it's just like USC fans are going to be like, that's what we've seen every year. Yeah, that's my purgatory schedule. I did it. I put you guys back in the, the loop. I'm sorry, but that's how I see it. That's well, how I see USC it. Fans, you can blame Chris. Yep. If you're in purgatory, but the Chris curse Wait, no. is real. Cut that out. <laughs> Cut that out. At Chris Intervino. Actually, yes. Give me more followers. <laughs> you can you can tweet mean things at me, but just follow me. <laughs> okay. I'm trying to read 7,000 by the end of the year. Oh. Get my numbers up. Maybe tweeting would help that. Yeah, but I don't want to tweet. <laughs> I just want to sit there. <laughs> I don't want to do anything. I just want to sit there and look pretty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, on that note, it's time for me to pass the torch on over to you, Chrissy T. It's time for Take It or Leave It. This one's going to be quick because I didn't pay a lot and we didn't have the time to do a full read. But shout out to this week's sponsor, Cycles Couple Counseling in Los Angeles. Are you and your significant other or others just not hearing each other? Are they not valuing you as a podcaster? I mean, partner here. You can talk about your issues in a safe space to really get to the root of your problems. Define relationships and relationships. We do it all here. Take in your conniving coworkers and leave with official pod status, partner <laughs> status, cycles. This is where you can be heard or else. Thank you to our sponsor this week, Cycles, who reached out to me. Actually, I reached out to them which maybe is a conflict, but thank you to them uh, all the same uh, for a great, great sponsor that wasn't that wasn't like a sub message at all. Mm. Oh yeah, that just happens. It just ha- it happens to work out that way. So <laughs> going into these uh, corporate ones, uh, the SC Alabama game will be back by 2023. I'm gonna leave it. Clay Heldon was asked about it in his appearance on the Pac-12 Network, and he was like. That's a question from my phone. If you're USC, I don't think you are rushing to reschedule that. I don't even know what they should do, uh, much less what they will do. So I'm going to leave it. Okay. Okay. It's happened recent enough that they don't have to like force the issue with it. Like I say, oh, we want to play You know, this blue blood and USC hasn't played Alabama in 30 years or something. So I, I think I'm going to leave it. Moving on. 
USC basketball's 37-point win Wednesday night over Stanford will not do one gosh darn thing to ease USC fans' anger and how this season, this regular season is ending for USC basketball. Take it. Take it. UCLA game that will that will have more of an impact. If I know USC fans, it's just salt in the wound for them. USC basketball will not make the conference tournament title game. Ooh, spicy. It's one of those things, again, it's a USC thing. It's like which team are we gonna get? You know? So are you leaving in the spirit it. of what Shotgun's done in this podcast, I'm gonna teave it. Oh boo. I'm going to leave it. I think that with the way the matchups will set up, that they it's probably going to be them and UCLA as the two and three seeds. And I think that they should be able to beat UCLA just because of the matchup there, their, their size inside compared to what UCLA doesn't have on the roster. So I think they should be able to beat them. And they'll play potentially play Oregon in the championship. And that's a, a chance to you know prove everyone wrong or prove the Pac-12 wrong with their pandemic protocol giving Oregon uh, the the title, the regular season title, based on win percentage in this one. Shifting back to football schedule, Arizona is the trap game on the schedule. Leave it. I'm calling Cal as the trap game. Does that okay. count? I, I guess. Does that count as a trap game? Heading into UCLA, yeah. I'm leaving it. Finally, this one is not like like an official uh, one. Uh, on a podcast appearance I had last week, they did something like first down, and they, they threw four questions at me on the spot, and I had to come up with answers on the spot. And I was asked for my USC M- Mount Rushmore of players, which was just like off the dome. I had to think of four. So I, I'm going to give you my list of who I gave and we're gonna take, You're it take it or leave it as like take it like that's a respectable Mount Rushmore or this is god awful. You're leaving it. Does Are that you make trying sense? to make us jealous? Is a little question. bit, okay. a little bit. He's on face. You, I can hear it in your voice. He doesn't. He doesn't give. <laughs> a hey, my curse. Okay, I'll bleep that up. Uh, <laughs> got his bleep in. Sure. Reggie Bush, Troy Polamalu. <laughs> can't even say it right. Junior Seau, and Tyron Smith. Okay, first of all. I think it's been established on this podcast that like USC history is not my forte. So former UCLA said fan. the alum- alumni. True. Um, I'm gonna leave it. Okay. I feel like it's missing a je ne sais quoi. It's been it's it's missing something, like a Ronnie Lott or like a something. I'm I'm definitely leaving it. Okay. You have no one that has their Heisman Trophy on there. Okay. Seven Heisman Trophy winners, and you got one of them on there. And he technically doesn't have his trophy. But he's a Heisman winner. He won it. There's three other spots then. Yes, he should be on there, but there's three other spots. You win the Heisman Trophy. It's the biggest award in college football. Now, I know defensive players aren't going to win it. So if you want to put some defensive players on there, sure. But, you know, I got to leave it because there's not enough Heisman Trophy. Fair enough. Fair enough. I can't wait to get roasted on social media. But also, I'm a Maryland boy. I'm not a USC fan. PG County, baby. PG County Beach Boys in the house. Uh, and Keely did not know how many heads were on the Mount Rushmore. Just got to get that in. We got to drop that <laughs> continuously. And those are going to end the corporate 
take it or leave it. Let's get into these. Let's get through them. The new Space Jam movie. Some of the stills and images from the movie were released today. Are we in? Are we out? Are we taking or leaving this new Space Jam movie? Keely has not seen Space Jam, so tweet at her and ridicule her for that. That was like one of our first bonding moments, I believe. Doesn't know how many heads are on Mount Rushmore and doesn't hasn't seen Space Jam. Okay, her while two... you were talking, I looked up Mount Rushmore. There's like a little corner, and that confuses me sometimes. And I think there's one that's not finished. So, back off. No, there was one that had to be sandblasted off because there was an issue and they had to redo it. That's different. Chuck, I look at history, so just back off. I know a lot about Mount Rushmore. It's very interesting, actually. <laughs> you picked the wrong person to debate on this. It was initially, they initially uh, wanted to, the guy that was sculpting it, he initially <laughs> wanted it to be the place where they put all the historic documents and stuff like the, uh, the Declaration of Independence and stuff. Oh, so Nick Cage, he's so, the one yeah, who... Yeah, would he would have been there instead. Oh. instead. He would have been there in the first movie instead of the second movie. God, I love that movie. <laughs> Space Jam. Oh. New movie. Are we taking it? So am I allowed to comment on Actually, this? no, you're not allowed. Okay, thank you. It's just shotgun. I want to take it. <laughs> I do. You know, I'm interested to see it. But I read something about the plot, and it just didn't make a lot of sense, so I'm curious to see where it will be. It's LeBron James playing with Looney Tunes characters. <laughs> like, is it supposed to make a ton of sense? How they're getting there. You know, the first one, the Monstar has made a lot more sense than what I read. Now, I could be, you know, what I read may have been different. So we'll see. I'm taking it because Sierra Wright's in it. And obviously, I want to see his acting chops. You know, we'll see how good of a cornerback he is and how good he can act. Fair enough. Because uh, if he becomes, you know, he's uh, becomes the next Michael B. Jordan or something, we'd be like, we knew him when. We Los knew Angeles him when. Loyola days. It always comes back to somehow it benefits Shotgun. Just, <laughs> just a reminder. All about Shaddy. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little food throwing at you a little food, food take bite. it or leave it sure uh i ordered a blt over the weekend and it came on a roll not a traditional sandwich and i got into a heated argument about this taking or leaving a blt being given to you in a roll what kind of roll are we talking about like a like like a like a sub roll like oh oh no leave leave <laughs> so like a, a cylindrical yeah like a subway, like a subway roll, an Italian roll, a BLT. No, I think that's fine. No, there's way too much bread. Then I like bread. Leave it. Thank you. There's boo. I just don't like BLTs to begin with. I'm not a big BLT fan either. I'm but a big BLT boy. <laughs> big BLT boy. <laughs> so you're a PG County boy and a BLT boy. PG County BLT boy. Wow. The there's not enough ingredients. There's not enough meat to the sandwich and just I don't, put more bacon man i don't mean the actual meat but there's not enough meat to the sandwich for you to have a roll it needs thinner bread the ratio is all off exactly the okay actually exactly. actually this is a retroactive i agree with you no she's you doing me. that to take you the heat me. off when she posts this no you convinced me <laughs> no no uh saweetie the hip-hop artist posted a video of her usc alum usc alum so it ties it works well then dating but, or married to cuevo dating, dating. Migos from Atlanta. Hey. Offset. <laughs> John Wick. Those are the uh, ad-libs. Whatever. Posted a video of her. <laughs> dret- I got all kinds of ad-libs. Drenching her spaghetti and ranch. Oh, gosh. Leave, leave, leave. Leave it. He seems intrigued. Now he seems disgusted. 
Yeah, because he's had the weirdest food takes on this podcast. What? No, I'm leaving. I'm not one of those people that puts ranch dressing on everything. I actually don't even use dressing on my salads. Do you want a what, gold star? What salad do you, boy? What do you do? I either use hot sauce. Whoa. As a dressing or balsamic vinegar. Just a couple. That's a dressing. No, not a vinaigrette. <laughs> just balsamic vinegar. I love how offended he was. Not a vinaigrette, <laughs> you dumb, dumb. <laughs> Just like I've never, Normie. I've never heard someone say vinaigrette with such vigor at me before. So just thanks like for that. Two tablespoons of a balsamic, and you're good. Or sometimes I'll just use the olive juice. Um, I'll just pour some olive juice on top of it. I hate every bit of this. <laughs> uh, getting out of food because, dear God, I don't want to be in the space anymore. <laughs> I hopefully we all saw it on Twitter, but the hand sanitizer cam. What? Did not see. I'm gonna show you. The hand sanitizer cam, they have not seen it, so I'm going to show them. Shotgun is very confused. I'm, I'm letting him take it in. Okay. Is it like it's a great, video right? or is he just not understanding? No, no, no. It, it, he's very confused. Put it full <laughs> Def- definitely leaving this one. Oh, gosh. This is scary. I have not seen it yet. Oh, for, no. For, describe what you're seeing right now. Just describe what you're seeing right now, guys. <laughs> it's, it's a bottle of hand sanitizer, and it's squirting hand sanitizer, but it's just not... Dig- digital hand sanitizer. Digital hand sanitizer, but it's not great. It's not great. They should just have like the little hand ones like that you the drop, Like the droplet one, and just drop it on top of people. Yeah. I'm taking it. You would. <laughs> and finally, there was a, as all journalists, there was a hot topic debate. About unpaid internships. Ooh. This one might be a little spicy. I'm sure we all had unpaid internships. I'm not showing you anything. I'm just moving my computer. Oh. I was, my RT button was hovering. I wanted to re- retweet some takes, but um, I my Twitter rule is less takes than more <laughs> takes. So I didn't. So we're taking or leaving unpaid uh, internships? I guess, or if you want to talk about you want the experiences, don't you? I love doing experiences on this on this pod. There's some great experiences. I interned for this place called uscfootball.com. I don't know if you guys know what Whoa. it is. So you, you have the story. Unpaid internship, work your way up by the bootstraps and got a job. Okay. I was able to do that because I had a safety net of my family to support me. I do think there is something to be said for the fact that those who are privileged can take the risk of unpaid internships. It's not something like a pull yourself up from the bootstrap. It's like experience doesn't pay the bills. So that's why you see more people of certain genders and ethnicities be able to take those. I'm leaving unpaid because I like getting paid. I like monies. Um, I understand the value in it. I understand there's certain times when unpaid internships can be really valuable and can be the only thing that certain companies can do. You know, a really small company, you know, family owned, they might not have that extra money to give. So maybe, you know, if they're just doing things really well and you want to be a part of it, you know, it's more, uh, instead of an internship, it's more like an apprenticeship there in that type of situation. But like, if you're a big company, yeah, you shouldn't be offering an unpaid internship. Yeah. Um, you should be, even if it's $500 a month, it's crazy what $500 a month can do just to, you know, help people get back and forth to work, you know, gas money, that type of thing. I took an unpaid internship. I had to do an internship through, through school. Um, that was one of my requirements for my undergrad. I took one with the minor league baseball team, very small rookie league in Princeton, West Virginia. West Virginia is unlike any other part of this country to me. Um, but I also, at the same time, I went that summer 
I, I don't come from money. Uh, so I went that summer. I was planning to sleep in my car the entire summer, had everything planned out. I was good to go. I did for a couple of weeks, and then a couple of the other interns are like, we, we've got a couch, which actually might have been worse because the couch was broken, and I was sleeping on it, and my back was all messed up by the end of the summer. Uh, but I also still had to – one of the things, the internship, they did provide us with meals every night at the game, so that helped out. I did also still have to get a, uh, a part-time job while I was there too, so I was working in a park at the same time. So it puts a very big strain – and made it that much more difficult for me to practice and you know get the lessons that I wanted to get out of the internship because I was trying to do everything else. You so, can't focus on yeah. the exactly, yeah. So like you know, I would rather be at the park and talking to players and being able to do features and stuff on them. Instead, I had to go to the other park instead of the ballpark. I had to go to an actual park and go clean out the trash cans and deal with hornets and stuff. So, Oy. so yeah. It, much different experience than maybe I could have had if you know if it was paid and it was only a, even if it was a little bit of money because the part time job in the park was not paying very much money in, in you know rural West Virginia. So if they could have given me I don't know five hundred dollars a month, it would have changed what I could have been able to do in that internship. So I think it, it's a little bit of money can be huge in those type of situations. It doesn't need to be you know I'm getting you know this is a uh, fill in for having a regular job or anything, but you know, just a little bit of money to, for people to get by is huge. I completely agree with Shotgun. Thank you guys for your takes. Always good to hear your stories. That does it for take it or leave it. We want your opinion. I mean, you guys made some of the points that I agree with. I don't particularly like unpaid internships just for the, you know, the stress that it caused. I was lucky in college that I had a full scholarship, so that took a lot of pressure off me. So I could take some unpaid internships. I did have unpaid internships with like like a very small nonprofit newspaper that worked with the homeless and that was that was their focus. So, you know, obviously they could not really pay me, but we had to do these for our, our to graduate, which also is I think that's something else to be said, making unpaid internships mandatory to do. But I also had a paid internship when I was living in New York with MLB.com, which was so nice just to be paid uh, to have an internship. So nice. I can't imagine having to like do an unpaid internship in New York. That just sounds like yeah. hell. So I, I was lucky in that sense. So just pay, just pay your interns. Yeah. You, you got to take care of the interns, you know, whether it's an extra meal or two, just taking them out to lunch, those type of things, those all add up. So you know, there are certain times, like I said, with small organizations or small companies where an unpaid internship may be the only way to, to go about it. But, you know, if you're trying to get more experience, it doesn't have to be an internship. Go out and, uh, you know, the the one-off, you know, hey, can I help you out with this event? Sure. You know, you may not get paid for that. Those type of experiences can be very useful. But if you are going to bring someone in as an actual intern, then you should be giving them a little bit of money at least. Agreed. And that will wrap up Take It or Leave It plus Story Time. Story Time. I know some kind of stories end our uh, Take It or Leave It. Um, that's it for me. Hopefully we see the hand sanitizer cam in the Coliseum <laughs> in 2021. Let's make Big it happen. No. Let's make it happen. USC Big administration, if you listen to this, make Big it happen. No. Big yes. Big no. Alrighty, that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the Family Feud Podcast. Also, programming note, look out for a special edition of the Family Feud Podcast next week. We have a special guest. It's the first interview pod of the Family Feud podcast. So uh, we're excited about that. So look out for that. But that's going to wrap it up. That's Chris. That's Shotgun. I'm Keely. We'll see you all next week.
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.